Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Well, it's Thursday, and here we are, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. And, of course, uh, live around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com, on the internet, on our our streaming service. And, of course, we've got links to the social media sites and the podcast and so much more. Welcome to the program, Thursday edition. And we are, well, we are about ready to... I need to fix this right here. It's bugging me. Okay. Uh, We're ready to go and to talk about, uh, well, all the things that are fit to print uh, today. Um, We have got our big guest coming up in hour two of the program today. The first hour is going to be me and you in discussion and uh, some interesting, interesting stuff. And then in hour two, we're going to be talking with former... Senate candidate Kelly Shibaka, who is coming on board to talk with us about her latest endeavor. Um, she's working with a group called Preserving Democracy, and we're going to talk about uh, basically her attempt to educate Alaskans on ranked choice voting, and which is, uh, I mean, like it or not, it was a huge component of the stuff that went down in this last election including the election of Mary Peltola to the uh, U.S. Congress. And we're going to get a chance to talk to Kelly about that and, you know, what it looks like and what's going on. It's uh, it should be it should be an interesting conversation in hour two of the broadcast today. Meanwhile, um, at hour one, I've got a few headlines, some of the things that are going on down in the legislature. And yes, we're going to continue our discussion uh, from yesterday about the um, uh, about the uh, uh, well not arrest detainment of uh, Mary Fulp, the principal of the year from the Colony High School in Palmer. And um, oh boy, there are some interesting things that have continued to come out. Finally, the um, f- Finally, the ADN finally got involved uh, and has got a story up. Plus, we're going to uh, go over some commentary from Art Chance about this out of Must Read. And uh, I'm going to give you some more of my thoughts on this. Now, <clears throat> I, well, let me let me just say, it is, uh, um, it, it is definitely an interesting situation. And one that ought to, in one that uh, we ought to find chilling um, uh, here in the state of Alaska, that something went on here, and I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen, but, well, let me just say that uh, at the end of the day, 
I hope that Mary Fulp uh, goes straight to the mats uh, on this one and uh, really, really lays it out uh, on the uh, in the courts and and somebody's going to pay. That's kind of kind of where I'm at right now, based on all the information that I have and that's in front of me today. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that as well. So uh, anyway, hey, good morning. How, how are you? Uh, somebody said uh, in the chat room, uh, happy, f- happy TGI Firearm Friday Eve. And yes, tomorrow is going to be a good day uh, for us here on the radio Tomorrow we're going to be um, uh, we're going to be uh, talking with Dr. John Lott, who is the president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, and uh, he's going to be uh, coming in to talk about well a bunch of stuff. Uh, his latest uh, article and research coming out of uh, the Crime Prevention Research. We're going to talk about his testimony in front of Congress and. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a, 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 a fun discussion tomorrow for Firearms Friday. And of course we'll finish everything up with, uh, with Willie Waffle. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. So, um, <clears throat> that's the show for today and for tomorrow. Look at that. I got all the housekeeping done. It's amazing. I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Satellite West for sponsoring the program uh, each and every day. They're sponsoring this hour of the program today, and uh, we appreciate them being part of it. Uh, of course, wherever you are in the state of Alaska, Satellite West can help you uh, con- 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 connect, con- 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 connect. Uh, whether you're in Kinnick or you can connect in Kinnick or you can connect in Ketchikan or connect in Kenai or connect in Kektovic. It doesn't matter. You can stay connected in with Satellite West. Uh, phones, internet, text messaging, emails, you got it all. It's all over there. Thank you to Satellite West. SatelliteWest.com, by the way, is where you find them. Okay. Um, I'm I'm a little confused uh, by some of the reporting on this. I think uh, today was brought to you by the letter K. Yes, it was. Thank you. Um, I got to say that this story um, uh, has got some confusing components to it. Um, and uh, the story about Mary Fulp, um, it's got some, it's, it's definitely got some different aspects of it. Now, what really confused me was this morning, the AP picked up the story. And when you read the AP story, uh, the the AP, the Associated Press, usually when they present uh, in their in their newsroom feature, they have the little summary, which is the little short story that you probably hear at the top of the hour for news or whatever, and then they've got a more detailed, <clears throat> lengthy, seven um, hundred word article uh, that goes over everything. And I've got to say that there, it is so. As you go through this, it's just it's not clear on a couple points. Um, I'm trying to decide if I want to talk about Mary Fulp first because there are other stories that I want to get into. But I guess we're we're already into it, so let's let's just let's just continue ahead here. Um, 
it's not clear in the varying news stories and the variety of things. It's not even clear from the troopers' own statement that came out if they actually you know saw a copy one report cites that they uh that the the that the troopers rev- reviewed the document and believed it to be authentic although again that would be the first time that a petitioner would come up with a court order and hand it to a cop and say go do your job um and in another one it it basically it, it said it just we don't know now here's the interesting part about this whole thing is that um, the troopers, in the course of the investigation, have asked, because the the troopers who were involved with Mary Fulp apparently didn't get a copy of the court order. They just, it was like it was flashed at them, they saw it, and then they never retained a copy of the order, which, red flag number one, because... I mean, if I'm about to involuntarily try and voluntarily commit somebody, take him to the hospital, let him be stripped naked, let him be given psychotropic drugs, let him be stuck there at the hospital for three days, I think I'd want a copy of that order, don't you? Um, they basically, uh, in one of the uh, in one of the stories. The people who originally said that they had the signed court order and then may or may not have shown it to the troopers, because, again, there's some conflicting reporting on this. They refused to give a copy uh, to provide a copy of the order to the uh, to the state troopers. Um, And they this is, again, in part. This should be a huge part of the investigation. If the citizen, um, if the citizen is not going to provide a copy of it, then I have got. I mean, I think everybody's got questions, but that should be the biggest red flag right there in the world. It does show, to me anyway, that it looks like that the troopers are investigating it to the point of trying to figure out if it was a false document or not. Which, <clears throat> that, um, that at least is encouraging. It's the only thing in this whole thing that I say that think is encouraging. Um, but, the, again, the reporting on this is just so, and, and I, I'm not necessarily blaming the reports. What I'm What I'm saying is, there seems to be a whole lot of a whole lot of CYA going on here, covering your backside. Because uh, the I've cut, again, kind of the the different pieces and parts that are coming out here um, of the uh, of the story, uh, and the fact that they would not, the fact that they are not allowing, uh, or excuse me, not uh, not that they're not allowing, but the fact that the uh, uh, that the uh, the people who said that they had the bogus order are refusing to turn them over to law enforcement at this point to turn over a copy of that order. Because again, I would say that by showing it to somebody and then insisting it is, and they believing you, and then there's a difference between that and then coming back and then handing that document over to somebody uh, because now you've got actual physical proof that you misled somebody intentionally there's a whole, oh, there's a whole thing here. There's a whole thing here. 
Now, Art Chance has written an article uh, about this over uh, on Must Read. It's an opinion piece. And I'm going to quickly read it here for you just because uh, I think it's pretty powerful. And I think it 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 has a lot of a, the same feelings that I've had over this. He says, visualize yourself sitting comfortably in your home just before noon on a Wednesday. You have a family member as a guest. Since you're a Christian conservative, maybe Martha McCallum on Fox is on the TV. An Alaska State Trooper knocks on your door. You answer, and the trooper tells you that he's at your home for a welfare check. Now, most Alaskans don't harbor any animosity towards the cops, and unless you had a pile of blow on the dining room table, you'd invite the officer in and converse with them. You don't appear to be in danger or a resident uh, of a crazy town, so the officer thanks you for your time and goes on his or her way. You have some harsh words with a family member who was obviously responsible for the welfare check. A few hours later, you now have two family members in the house, and there's a knock at the door. Now there are two troopers, and one of your family members asserts that he or she has a court order to have you detained and sent for psychiatric evaluation. It's an open question whether the alleged court order was ever produced or even existed, but troopers accept the authority of such an order, and without resistance, you are led away in custody to a hospital for psychiatric evaluation. You endure the indignity of having your personal possessions confiscated, stripped of your clothing, and dressed in a hospital gown. A psychotropic drug is administered to you. You are detained for three days. Then the whole system says, oh, never mind. Then it gets really interesting. The troopers try to verify the alleged court order, and the court systems refuse, citing confidentiality, which is BS because telling another law enforcement agency something isn't public disclosure. Then the court system issues a statement to the media saying it never issued such an order. Courts couldn't tell the Department of Public Safety, but they could tell some reporter at KTUU. First, something went badly wrong. I spent all day on the phone with my grizzled old buddies for my days of dealing with the Department of Public Safety. None of us could think of a circumstance in which a civilian would have a court order that could result in someone being placed in custody. Those sorts of orders go from the hand of an officer of the court to a hand of the officer of the law. We don't even know for sure that the troopers actually ever saw the alleged court order. While I'm still wearing one of my old hats, I'd have a piece of these two troopers. I wouldn't fire them, but I'd set their retirement date back a while. This isn't something that a trooper would do every day, so they might not know the subtleties of it. Then there's something going on here that we don't know. The tell for me is that the court system went to the media rather than to the DPS to reveal that there was no warrant. That sort of thing can happen at fairly low levels in government. Some administrative something or other could have decided that he she didn't like a school principal coming out as an activist Christian. I'm thinking, however, that some of the family members share those sort of political views and use their connections in the court systems to mau-mau their relative. Uh, he makes a lot of interesting points, especially from his perspective of being part of that whole system for so many years. Uh, but again, I think the biggest thing, and I was looking for the actual uh, quote in here, um, because... Uh, um, because of the fact that the department, here's it is, a citizen contacted the public safety department Friday to report that the court order presented to troopers by Fulp, for Fulp's commitment may not have been valid. The public safety commissioner ordered a full review of the incident that day. The department rest, requested copies of the documents from the courts so that determine if they were valid, but the requests were denied. Now, that was not what I wanted. 
the uh, I'm sorry, I got like six stories up on here, and I'm looking for the actual comment where they basically said they went back to the uh, they went back to the family member who said that they had the commitment order, and they were like, "Oh no, sorry, you we they they declined. They declined to turn that back over uh, to them." Um, I'll find the actual verbiage on this, but it, it, the whole thing is still so chilling that somebody could have a grudge and misuse public resources like this and especially utilize something like the police in this kind of instance. It is troubling to say the least. All right, we got to go. We're going to be back. Got some more stories to cover, and uh, I'm opening up the phone lines. If you'd like to come in and join us, we'll open up the phone lines, 907-433-3150. We'll be back with more. It is The Michael Duke Show. Common Chance, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Now you're cooking with gas. Okay, um, trying to find this, trying to find this, uh, um, trying to find this copy about where they basically, they just said, uh, it was, um, part of the investigation. They were asking, uh, troopers asked the person who have claimed to have had a signed commitment order. Um, but they declined to provide copies. Um, they declined to provide copies that this is the person who claimed to have had a signed commitment order. And they're like, no, no, I don't, sorry. Don't, uh, don't have that anymore. I know I told you that. And I know you arrested her or detained her on that fact, but we don't have it. Um, all right, I'm looking. I'm looking back here through uh, where this voluntary commitment order was. Um, there we go. The order appeared. All right. So this is the the order appeared to be signed by a judge and appeared to be valid. This is according to uh, uh, McDaniel. He's a spokes critter for the troopers. Um, the order appeared to be signed by a judge and appeared to be valid. The troopers did not take the order or a copy of it. The caller, the family member, has since declined to provide the order to officials of the Department of Public Safety who are trying to obtain it for their current investigation. He, de- he declined to say if the documents were forged or if the troopers were investigating criminal activity on behalf of the caller. Yeah, baby. Yeah. All right. It's called lawfare, says Kevin. Yep. This is just another extension of that kind of lawfare. All right. Let me go back over here to the chat room. Uh, good morning. Uh, good morning. Good morning. AT&T banned Newsmax. What? Yeah. Weird. Um, baggage elected Mary Peltola, says Jerry. What? Uh, okay, Jerry. Whatever. 
Uh, good morning, good morning. Swatting, says Brian. Yes, swatting. Swatting. That's exactly what this was. Um, it's the latest issue of The Watchman says that I read The Watchman story yesterday, but I haven't read it. Uh, uh, I haven't read it today. Did they update it? Uh, acting under the court order to discover the alleged court order may have fact been an actual court order. Uh, commissioner defending me. I'm scanning the article briefly here. Uh, um, it was only after she detained she was detained that Fult later saw a copy of the faulty order mandating that she goes to the hospital. According to the to Fulp, Alaska Superior Court Judge William Morse signed the order. Um, really? Well, that's interesting. I'd like to, I'd like to know more. I'd like to know more about the serious Superior Court Judge who supposedly signed this document. Okay. Uh, good morning. Uh, connecting in Connect is a conundrum. It is, in fact. It's uh, it's understatement. Document required, please. Everything was handled so wrong. Facebook is blocking my notifications, says Jerrica. Oh, I know. Yeah, they're refusing to turn it over because they don't want to slit their own throat legally. I mean, exactly. Have the Leos been arrested or fired, the law enforcement officers? Nope. They're not even on leave, baby. Yeah. All right. Art Chance is a hypocrite. He's fine with a big bully trooper beating up young girls for failing to yield, but acts like div gives a damn about civil rights over the issue. Tell me how you really feel, Hawk. Um, at least they didn't swatter. If you hear that knock at the door, Michael, don't answer it. <laughs> okay, that's right. If somebody starts knocking on the door right now, or if I hear the doorbell, I'm not going down there. I just want you to know that. Okay. All right. We're going to jump into this. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share, like and follow. Let's do all the youtube -y things and the Facebook things. Here we go. Welcome back to the program. Continuing now. Um, it, it, lots of comments in the chat room this morning about this story, just like we were yesterday. Um, Brenda says, please don't lose sight that they're outstanding Alaska state troopers that do a tremendous job risking their lives daily for our safety. Their commitment to public service should not be overshadowed. Okay. Um, great. I We never said that they didn't. What... I guess my point here is that and all the good deeds of all the troopers in the world don't make up for bad behavior or poor behavior on the part of a few of these people. I mean, remember, these folks take these folks take an oath to uphold the Constitution. 
And, uh, and you know, that's a, that's a very important and powerful thing that needs to happen. When you are about to – an involuntary commitment is one of the most gravest things that can happen to an individual. You know, short of being – I mean, when you're arrested, that's one thing. But involuntary commitment is taking somebody who has not committed a crime and you're about to basically take away all their civil liberties. She was at the hospital for three days. Okay. Uh, before I took that step, I would make sure that every T was crossed and every I was dotted before I took away somebody's, you know, fundamental civil liberties. I would think that I would have all my ducks in a row on that because that is like, mm, yeah. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's go over to the phones. I got some other news stories, but I just wanted to bring that up and read Art Chance's story to you guys. But let's uh, let's go over here and see what you guys have to say. We'll start right here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? It's Murph calling from the Denali Borough area. Morning, Murph. What's on your mind? Um, I'd like to read a quote that I took off of a Facebook page of my cousins that I think kind of fits in with all this. And uh, okay. what it says is time to take our country back from these extreme religious zealots, ultra right. And if taking it back means civil war, let's do this blank. I no longer want my children living under these scumbags. People are fed up with religious extremist lawmakers. Now, uh, last year, I posted something on Facebook, never fomenting civil war or anything else like that. Just said I wasn't going to apologize for, you know, my Native American ancestors or my white ancestors. And I got kicked off of Facebook for at least a month, almost two months. This is fomenting civil war. Why isn't it getting kicked off? <laughs> you know, and it's, it's against, like you say, the Christians. Yeah. You know, and then uh, another thing that really bothered me was the other day. I don't know if you heard uh, the NPR Alaska news, but they had people down in Juneau, students and stuff, um, wanting more funding for education and everything, which, yeah, great if it goes to the kids. But like you've said, it's not going to the kids. It's going to the pension funds. It's going to the administration, which, you know. We're 49th for education, and yet we pay out the highest amount. So there's something wrong with all of that. Oh, yeah. And so now I'll listen to what you've got to say. Murph, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I find it amazing that uh, people on social media – uh, that you can get, you know, I got, I got a, I got a strike against me on social media here a few weeks ago because somebody put a video up of, uh, of these young girls who were driving around and there was a spider in the car and it was, it was a very funny video because they're freaking out about the spider in the car. And it was, it was a, I mean, it was a pretty good size spider. Uh, and they finally pulled over and, and they finally got out and they're trying to get the spider out of the car. And the whole thing was funny. And my comment on it was, well, now we have to burn the car uh, kind of thing. And I got a big warning and a strike from Facebook because apparently by saying jokingly, obviously in context that now we have to burn the car, I was now making terroristic threats. And you've got somebody who's saying, let's go to war with fundamental Christians because I'm tired of their stuff uh, and let's kill them all. 
and they don't get, I mean, this is the same thing that's happening on Twitter. The blue check mob was pretty much able to say anything they want. And anybody else that even hinted it said something uh, the other direction or something that wasn't liked got banned. This is, I mean, welcome to the new normal, Murph. This is what, this is what it's about. Um, and it's unfortunate and it's a chilling of both ideas and the ability to have free speech and commentary. Uh, now, it, again, it's a private platform, so they can do what they want. But, uh, yeah, I fully feel that it was after Mary's uh, Mary Fulp's uh, Facebook Live video where she had like a three or four hour Facebook Live where she was talking about her testimony and about her Christian beliefs. And, you know, whether you believe her or not, hey, that's her right to do it. I fully believe that it was after that that somebody in her family used some connections or some chicanery to be able to pull all this together. And during the break, I actually read this uh, part in the Watchmen, which apparently I, it was either not there or they updated it or I missed yesterday. Um, but Mary, in the, in the article, they quote Mary Fulp as saying was only after that she was detained that Fulp later saw a copy of the faulty order mandating that she goes to the hospital. And according to Fulp, Alaska Superior Court Judge William Moore signed the order. Uh, so there's actually a name attached to this. I want to know what's going on here with that. So, but you're right. It was only after that happened that all of a sudden they want to, you know, come in and smack out and detain her. Uh, it's, it's troubling, yeah. Murph. It's troubling. But, hey, I appreciate you, uh, appreciate you calling in. Thanks for being part of it today. You bet. Have a great day. All right. Bye. Uh-huh. Uh, 907-433-3150. Um, there's going to be more to this story. I know that there is. I know that more has come out. Now that it's hit the AP, the Associated Press, um, I expect that somewhere along the line, some news organization is going to pick up on this and be like, what? Um, and I want to, I mean, the, the, yeah. So we'll see what happens. This could be, this could get bigger and uh, it could be a prime example of, Again, um, uh, an attack on somebody's first first amendment uh, uh, first amendment rights on free speech and of freedom of religion. There was one other, and I don't know which story it was. Now I don't I don't have it in front of me, but basically she said uh, that she's now now she's at work. She's not at work. She uh, um, she basically has uh, she's she hasn't she hasn't returned. You know, so uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens uh, on this. But like I said, this isn't just about the initial commitment. This just isn't about anything else. This is about ruining her reputation. This is about destroying her livelihood. This is about getting her out of that position where she might affect children with positivity and change. So uh, we'll we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that here as we go through. Uh, 907-433-3150 if you want to be part of it today. Um, all right. <clears throat> Two other stories. Uh, one is a brand new lawsuit. Brand new lawsuit that says Alaska statutes allowing the public funding to go to private schools is unconstitutional. And it is very, very interesting because this is just what we were talking about with Sarah Montalbano on Monday. Uh, the fact that they actually quote in the news article the statute 
where basically it says that uh, no public funds may go to a religious or private education institution, that those practices are now being challenged in court by none other than Scott Kendall. This guy is everywhere. This guy is involved in every... I mean, you want to talk about... I mean, wow. Scotty Kendall, uh, or I guess as his friends call him Scooter, Scooter Kendall. Scott Kendall is representing the NEA, he knows which side of his bread is buttered, and others in a lawsuit that basically says that the Department of Education and Early Development didn't have a proper answer and uh, they've taken it to the Superior Court for the state of Alaska uh, saying that monies should not be used and monies being used to reimburse parents for thousands of dollars in private educational institution services are unconstitutional. This is going to be, this is going to have a huge impact on correspondent schools. Uh, Idea, Raven, Cyberlinks, I mean, all of those schools. It's going to be a big deal. Now, initially, part of the problem of it is that it was, it's being advocated by some that you could take your entire allotment as a charter school and use it as tuition at private schools. And th- that's not how it was intended. And I know that's what uh, Trent uh, Trent uh, Triggers uh, Taylor's wife, Jody Taylor, said when she came on the program, that that's what she was advocating. I think that that crosses the line uh, from what, based on what the Constitution says. Uh, I think utilizing, uh, you know, specific classes like we've done over the years for IDEA, where we've had a music course or put the kid, you know, had a math class or a private thing like that is something else. Um, but this is this is going to get this is going to get interesting right here. But again, Scott Kendall. I mean, that guy apparently works everywhere. He is at every corner. You know, he is chipping away at every corner of <laughs> of uh you know, your freedom to choose and uh, more bigger, badder government than ever before. I mean, it is, it's insane. It is insane what Scott Kendall is into here. Uh, but that's the big story. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, uh, uh, well, I mean, it's going to court. The complaint was filed Tuesday in Superior Court against Acting Commissioner for the DEED, Heidi Teschner. And the four plaintiffs are parents or teachers from Anchorage, Craig, and Fairbanks. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see where this goes. But this is going to be a uh, this is going to be a real poo parade when this uh, when this lawsuit hits the uh, final side. I got one line on hold, and I've got one more segment. But I am up against the break, so everybody, hold on. Nobody go anywhere. We'll be right. We'll be right back. Don't, don't, uh, don't get out of here. We'll be returning. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Your phone calls and more when we return. Regularly heard on American Radio. Radio. Michael Michael, Michael Duke Show. 
Okay, we got the caller on hold. Let's go over there and get their name uh, so we can figure out who they are. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, uh, this is Brian getting caffeinated in the hook. Oh, getting getting caffeinated. Well, good. Well, pucker up, Buttercup. Get that. Yeah, we're on pot number two. Get that. Get that black gold in the veins, and we'll be right back to you, Brian. Hold the line. I'll be right back to you, my friend. Uh, Brian in the hook, drinking from his six o'clock club club mug. I hope. Um. All right. Um. Uh. Okay. I'm actually scrolling backwards here. Lowell, what do y'all expect? Accountability and justice from the government? (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what I... uh, Jason wants me to share the article from the landmine. It wasn't from the landmine. It was from Must Read. uh, But uh, there's the Must Read article. There's a bootlicker in every group. I hope she sues the hell out of them. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to... How come none of these fine out troopers have not stepped in? They are complicit. Um, uh, judge, the judge should have a copy, says Jack. This is uh, Jim. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, read the law. They can take you in. AST don't need a piece of paper to commit you for 72 hours. There's just someone turning you in because they feel like it. Just because, no, they don't need a piece of paper. If you are obviously a danger to yourself or somebody else, to which they had already acknowledged that she was not, the only reason that they did take her in was because somebody purportedly had that piece of paper, Sandy. That's what's going on. Uh, Only if it was a lawful document and the clerk of the court would have it, but the court system already stated it was not issued by the courts. Um, I got warned from Facebook for telling Terry I was going to whoop her butt. I'm very careful on Facebook because this is my wife's account, but on IG, I say whatever I want. If I lose that account, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, AT&T banned Newsmax from direct television last night. Well, you know. And to think that Amy Dombosky hired, hired Scott Kendall recently. I mean, I know. I mean, this guy is just like, ooh. Um, called that out when she first said it on the show. Called what out, Chris? Called called that out when she first said it on the show. What exactly were you calling out? I missed that. Um, yeah. Uh, why does Judge Moore sound familiar? I don't know. Um, the state of Alaska needs to join the Espinosa decision, um, and contest the Blaine Amendment embedded in our constitution. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, Kevin McCabe mentions that said, uh, Dunleavy, when he was a Senator, had a bill to remove that one line from the constitution. He did. Uh, I think we're going to be discussing the breaking story of Dunleavy, Peltola, and Karen Krebitz, Washington lobbying mining Peltola. Um, I have a legal opinion, Michael Chambers, I have a legal opinion that says because our Constitution says religious or other private educational institutions that Espinoza did not, does not apply. Um, United States Supreme Court has ruled state education funding can be used for private education. Um, 
Morse is familiar because he gave us the first ruling against the PFD. Oh, there's a friendly judge for you. All right. That's a that's a name that you hope to never hear again. Uh Thanks, Rob, for that piece of bright and shiny news. Judge Morse is familiar because he gave us the first ruling against the PFD. I mean, I hate to say we're doomed, but... Doom, doom, doom. Doom, doom, doom. doom. No, no, wait. I hate to say we're doomed, but... You are That's pretty much how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> Man. Um, <laughs> that's it. I'm caught up on the comments now, it looks like. Looks like I got everything I need. Just making sure, scrolling back through. All right. Well, tomorrow, <clears throat> again, Dr. John Lott will be joining us on the program to talk about um, his latest piece uh, at the CPRC. And we'll also be talking about um, his testimony before Congress. Got to go. Here we go. Let's jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thing and radio. Like a chair, like a chair, like a chair, like a follow. Let's do it. Here we go. All right, we're continuing. I got some more stories here, but we had some folks uh, who called in right before the break, uh, and they were kind enough to stick with us. That would be Brian. He's over in The Hook. That's in Wasilla Fishhook area. Uh, and he's joining us this morning to give us his thoughts on this whole hot mess of a day. I don't know exactly what he's going to comment on, but it's going to be intelligent because he's drinking out of a 6 o'clock club mug. That automatically makes you more intelligent. Right, Brian? Right, Brian? Right, Brian? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir, it does. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever you say. Hey, just so you know, I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Oh, okay. Uh, so what's uh, what's going on, Brian? What's, uh, what's on your mind today? Well, here's my theory on this whole uh, kerfuffle with the troopers and taking the lady into custody. Okay. I suspect what happened is that they did have a stack of papers uh, that they showed the troopers, the troopers appeared uh, to accept them at, at face value. And from the time they took her into custody, they took her into the hospital. At that point, they went out and found the judge to sign them. They may have had a verbal commitment from him to sign him, but uh, they actually chased him down and got him signed and showed up at the hospital with the orders. So, but um, now that's kind of my theory of where this whole thing went. But now that now the judicial department, though, is now the Department of Law is now saying, or the court system is saying, they don't, they have no such orders. So, 
But that calls into question the timing of this whole thing because when the troopers called up to find out, they said no. But then what I'm suspecting happened as soon as they found out they didn't have orders, they chased this judge down and got him to sign him, and then they delivered him to the hospital. Except for that the court system then later on went out and issued a press release to KTUU to saying that they have no such orders coming from the court system. That was during, I mean, that was, and that she said. Well, that, that was more. I'm sorry? I, I agree with you, depending on which uh, timeline you're buying. So, I guess I'm. I guess I'm confused. So you're saying that um, that they they had the paperwork filled out and ready to go, but no judicial signature. The troopers took the gal to the hospital, left her there, went back out, and the troopers themselves obtained the signature from the judge. Or that you're saying that the petitioner did. That's a good question. I am guessing the petitioner. Yeah. But then again, because see, basically what you're saying is here, which we already knew, but what you're saying here is somebody was lying. They either didn't have a fully executed commitment order or that was filled out and signed and, and, and again, uh, executed, or they did and somebody didn't follow up. Uh, but basically somebody's lying here. And it's the time, you know, the troopers are being scapegoated oh, or, or, you know, what's going on here? Uh, was it the judge? Was somebody exercising a little uh, influence or authority in the court system? Because now the court system's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't comment on these kind of matters, but we will tell you we don't have any orders related to this. <laughs> I mean, we don't comment, but we're going to comment. Uh, I've, you can draw your own conclusion about the lying, but, yeah, I, I would agree that there is, a, there is some subterfuge uh, going on here. Um, and to, to me, the timeline matters. So, no, I mean, I would agree the timeline is important. I'm just trying to figure out, uh, you know, it, you know, and now, well, and here's the other thing. Now they're saying, and here was the quote that I couldn't find earlier, and I apologize. Uh, but the quote uh, basically uh, says that, and I, I lost it. Here it is. The order appeared to be signed by a judge and appeared to be valid, according to McDaniel. The troopers did not take a copy of the order. Uh, or copy it themselves, the petitioner has since declined to provide the order to officials with the Department of Public Safety who are trying to obtain it for their current investigation. He did, They declined to provide a... <laughs> what? And he declined to say, the, the spokesperson declined to say if the documents were forged or if the troopers were investigating criminal activity on behalf of the petitioner. I mean... That to me right there, that says it all. They declined to provide the order after the fact to help with the investigation. I mean, that tells me all I need to know as far as that goes. That if, okay, if they're arguing at some point, Judge Moore signed these, either fake or real, right? Because they're throwing the name out as that's the person who signed the order. They don't want, the petitioner would not want a forged signature to be given back as evidence. The judge goes, no, that's not my signature. Right, right, right. No, no, I mean, that's the smart, if you did bad so things, would be, yeah. If, if I were the judge, I would, I would issue an order to, to compel them to produce this 
document. I would too. Yeah. Just to protect myself. Just to clear my name. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. And that's what I said earlier is they definitely don't want a piece of physical. I mean, it's a, he said, she said, if they said, well, we showed it to them and they thought it was real and everything was fine, but they didn't bother to take a copy of it. And now they're like, well, we'd like a copy of it. And you're like, what are you talking about? Uh, There's no physical evidence that anything like that transpired, you know? So yeah, I'm with you on that. The whole thing stinks to high heaven. And I hope Mary Fulp gets retirement money out of this. I mean, like big, big retirement money out of it. Uh, because if it was me... I would be interested to see if any of her family has ties back to Judge Morse. That would be... the Yeah, I was thinking that earlier. That would be a seriously interesting connection. Or, you know, what are their connections to anybody at the court system or anything else? And yeah, Judge Morse for sure. Uh, all right, Brian. Hey, thank you so much for coming on board. I appreciate it. Uh, let's uh, go back over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, it's Layla from Fairbanks. Hey, Layla. What's on your mind? So I used to work in that field. Okay. Uh, it's been about 10 years, but um, there's a social worker that's supposed to be doing an evaluation. The- and there doesn't seem to have been one in Mary Phelps' case. Now, does so the, does a so social a worker can't actually sign that order? I'm sorry. Is this is the social worker before that social worker has done the evaluation? Right. Does a social worker? This all happens before they take her into custody and take her to the hospital. You're saying that there's a preliminary, yes. that happens, and that's actually what yes. I. Uh, that's actually the, the what way I, that it works is that the the petition goes to the judge. The judge then um, sends it to a social worker. The social worker then reports back. And in my time of about 15 years of doing this, probably 50% of the people that are are screened for this, um, the social worker doesn't find a reason for them to go to the hospital because people, people do this kind of stuff. They're stupid. They they think, oh, my neighbor is weird. I don't like my neighbor being weird. So I'm going to get the government involved, and I'm going to fix them. And a social worker that I worked with actually put in a report one time, your neighbor has a right to be eccentric. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You do have the right to be eccentric. Uh, I mean, from your libertarian perspective, Layla, is this not one of the most chilling things you've ever heard? I mean, of you know... That they yes. they put her in, they got her, they stripped her naked, they poked and prodded her, they filled her full of psychotropic drugs, held her for three days, and then said, mm, "My bad, I you know, my bad." Uh, to me, it is they can it if the whole process goes through, the social worker finds a reason that you're a risk to yourself or others, and that's a very important thing. Are you a risk to yourself or others? Not just that you're, you know, a little weird or a little manic, you're having a spiritual experience, you're a risk to yourself or others. Right. If that's a finding, they can't put you in prison, or not prison, uh, the mental health facility, for three days for evaluation. But they cannot force you to take drugs. The the statute is really clear on that. Right. Uh, Although somebody who is also in the field yesterday said, unfortunately, the statute 
also has some gray area for interpretation and it sounds like that may would have been you know that that may well, be yeah. their excuse here right yes. oh one of the thing is if and over the years that i worked in that there were people that you know were taken into custody because they were violent and they were threatening staff and stuff like that and then they can force them to medication but they have to go back to the the petitioning judge and ask for a court order to give that medication. Right. And I, I went and looked up the, the statute yesterday to see if anything had changed, and nothing had. Layla, uh, hold the line here for a second. I appreciate it. Uh, folks, we're up against the break. We got more coming up. Uh, Kelly Shabaka on the other side, The Michael Duke Show. That's what I was wondering, Layla. I mean, how can you forcibly give somebody drugs? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming if you have to restrain them, that there has to be additional work before you could start giving them drugs without their consent. Yes, yes there does. And that's the thing that really concerns me is that the hospital would have known that they had to go back to the petitioning judge if they wanted to give drugs. I mean, unless she was being like really violent, but the she doesn't seem like that kind of a person. Well, all the yeah. reporting, yeah, all the reporting was is that she was calm as milk all the way through when they got her there and everything else yeah. and the whole thing. Uh, that she was as calm as calm could be. Uh, I find it hard to believe that then she would actually blow up and be violent and threaten and everything. And they let her go. So obviously, something was you know they found nothing in the end. Um, right. And then, of course, yeah, the, if they found if they found something, she would have been uh, had that involuntary commitment um, made longer. Yeah, exactly. Because that I mean, that that's the standard way that they do that. Um, my now it is possible because I do know a lot of social workers who are atheists who think that anybody who is a um religious person is obviously crazy and so it is possible that this family found somebody to work with to do whatever it was that they did but, i don't know but at this point but if that was, was the case probably very illegal whatever if, they did if that's the case though layla why wouldn't they then produce the document when asked to by the troopers the second time I mean, if that's the case, if probably they, because they didn't get a judge to sign it. Yeah. Well, and of course, the watchman is reporting directly from Mary. And I got to wonder why the troopers did not demand. I mean, for one thing, that petition doesn't go through the petitioner. Yeah. Once the petitioner puts it in, it goes to the court. It goes to the social worker. It goes back to the court, and then it is sent to the hospital, saying you can. Um, the, when the troopers bring them in, you can take them to, um, you can take them in. Right. So the petitioner doesn't have the paperwork. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because Fulp herself said that she saw the order and it was signed by Superior Court Judge William Morse, which, um, again, if it, this might be one of the reasons why they don't want to produce the document, because maybe there's some forgery, maybe it's a false document. Right. Nobody wants to have that physical evidence. But again, this, this, this goes back to me on the troopers. If I'm a trooper <clears throat> and I'm about to 
take away the one thing that I've sworn to uphold, the constitutional rights of citizens, if I'm about to take that away, not because they committed a crime, but simply because somebody, you know, because this is, a, you know, arresting a criminal is one thing. By, you know, taking away their rights is one thing because they've obviously done or suspected of doing something wrong. But when you're talking about involuntary right. commitment, I guarantee you that I would have, like I said, every T crossed and every I dotted. I would have a copy of that ironclad in paper, framed yeah. in a frame, ready to go to say, Your Honor, here's where it is. This is what I had. This is what's going on. And the fact that they didn't do that is problematic. Yeah, it worries me that in 10 years we've gotten that far off of what the procedure is that a state trooper, and there would have been two of them, they usually work in tangent when they do this, um, that they they would do this and not stop and question. Yeah. I mean, what happened to their training? Yeah. Well, that's um, something's wrong. Something is definitely wrong there. Uh, and I'm sure we're going to hear more about this. I'm sure more stuff is going to come out and find out. Like I said, I'm just waiting for this thing to hit the national news because that's when that's when the wheels are going to yeah. come off the bus. When this hits the national stage and it just started, the AP well, story was just today. So I imagine it's going to uh, I imagine it's going to make some wave somewhere. It better. Because this this is not, I mean, the whole red flag law thing. Clearly, there's no way you can you can align red flag laws with the U.S. Constitution. Right. And yet, every, I mean, even Florida has a red flag law. They've locked up like, or not locked up, they've taken away the guns of about 50 people based on nothing. In most cases, the guns are returned later with an apology. Yeah. It's not acceptable. It's crazy. Yeah. It's wrong. Yeah. Well, now who's... Once you violated somebody's rights, you can never really make them whole again. Absolutely. And that's just the way that is. Absolutely. Um, I, and, and I got one more question. Um, they, 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 who's going to pay for all this? They took her blood. They found that they, so they did blood, they did screens, they did everything. They did a CT scan, a CT scan. For those of you who don't know these days, uh, I had a friend that just had one $3,700 for the CT scan, uh, alone. So, yeah. I mean, we're talking about everything that she lists out that, that took place in there. I mean, there's $10,000 worth of services. Who's going to pay for that? Are they going to charge her for it? I mean, yeah. right. I mean, um, yeah, probably. Uh, okay. No way, because I'd have been like those charger nope. insurance, which she probably has pretty good insurance because she works for school district. But, uh, yeah, I would still say yeah, she'll, she'll have a copay she has to pay. Yeah, and if I were her, I'd say no, I'm not paying this. Yeah, no, I would. I would instruct my insurance company not to pay a dime of it because it was all involuntary. I'd let the hospital suck that up. Um, all right. Well, Layla, I got to go. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate you being part of it today. All right. Uh, thanks for coming in and joining us uh, and giving us your thoughts on this. Folks, we're coming up on it. The Michael Luke Show continues. It is your home for common sense radio. Here we go.
Hey, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Streaming live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, it is The Michael Duke Show. Hey, how are you? Are you uh, ready to go? Um, the <laughs> I'm sorry, Kelly Shabaka and I are uh, uh, serving uh, democracy.com. All right. Um, all right. Uh, so Kelly Shabak is going to be joining us in just a hot second here as we get ready to come in and be part of it. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, we're going to be talking about ranked choice voting and uh, and everything else. Uh, just an interesting conversation here in the last uh, segment for sure uh, on everything. And I, we're going to be following this case very closely. Because, as I said before, it is supremely chilling that somebody could be um, not arrested, uh, but detained, forced into a car, taken to a hospital, stripped naked, given psychotropic drugs against your will, held for three days. And then when it's all said and done, somebody goes, oh, my bad. Sorry. The paper that they said that it was all fake. I'm sorry. We didn't know. I mean, and not to mention, like I said, the fact that this this principal's life is now in absolute shambles, not maybe not her personal. She doesn't. But I mean, her career is damaged. The public perception. I mean, it's horrific. It's horrific. I hope she she makes retirement money out of this whole deal. That's all I'm saying right now. Um, all right. <clears throat> but that was so last hour. This hour, we're changing gears and we're moving over to a whole new situation. Kelly Shibaka is uh, our guest this morning. She comes on board to, excuse me, to talk with us about ranked choice voting and an organization that she is uh, working with and a part of called Preserving Democracy. Kelly Shibaka, our guest this morning, uh, as we uh, as we kick things off. Uh, hey, good morning, Kelly. How you doing? I'm great, Michael. It's so wonderful to be with you again. How are you? You know what? It's uh, just another beautiful day in paradise, and at least people aren't knocking at my door telling me that I need a mental health evaluation. So I, I guess that's a positive. so terrifying. Well, the doorbell rang a few minutes ago, but I refused to answer it. So it's all it's all fine. Um, all right, Kelly. Well, you know we've uh, we've missed you, and uh, you you know been uh, been pretty quiet since the since the election, but now you're coming out swinging, and so. Uh, I wanted to give you a chance to tell folks, you know, what you're doing, what's happening, uh, what you're fighting over. You are excited and uh, interested in educating people about ranked choice voting 
And of course, we've got this whole idea of preserving democracy. So I guess let's uh, let's get to it. Give us what you've been doing. What, what's what's going on? So I got into the Senate race to be a voice for all those people who felt like they didn't have a voice. And throughout the nearly 600 days I was on the campaign trail, there was a consistent theme that Alaskans felt forgotten, ignored, voiceless, powerless. Some even used the word exploited. And it was heartbreaking then to see at the end of the election that we had the lowest voter turnout in the history of statehood. And so all of that voice voice expression I'd heard over two years actually was manifested in the behaviors of the election. That despair was just displayed in full effect when people physically didn't express their voice in the turnout of the election. This is what I concluded when I was being silent and I was developing this entire organization and concept the last couple months. We have a emerging threat to the democracy in ranked choice voting. When we had our first ranked choice voting election, we had record low voter turnout in Alaska because the confusion and the complication of the system, it leads to voter suppression. People don't express their voice and vote because they don't understand it and they don't have hope that it's going to work. And voter suppression undermines the very fundamentals of democracy, that our system is supposed to be of the people, by the people, for the people. Ranked choice voting is already used in 28 states and 14 other states are currently considering implementing it or expanding it. U.S. Congress has already twice picked up the bill to force 50 states to mandate it for all federal and state House and Senate, federal House and Senate races. And I believe they're going to take that bill up again this session. And so if we don't act now, we are about to see the entire U.S. election system change. So that's what we started Preserve Democracy for, to preserve those fundamentals of our democracy that are critical for election integrity. Election systems should be easy to access and they should be easy to understand. And we want to make sure that we have voters turning out so that the elected leaders reflect the people who selected them, a system of the people, by the people, for the people. So I'd love to invite everyone listening and watching to join our nonpartisan and nonprofit movement. We are at preservedemocracy.com. It's preservedemocracy.com. We need your help and we need your financial support because that's what this is going to be powered by. Thank you, Michael. We talked a lot about this in the run up to ranked choice voting that, you know, that it was very problematic because it had already been shown that it disenfranchised an inordinate amount of especially the elderly uh, minorities, people who had, uh, you know, hard time reading, uh, you know, lower education folks, people in a lot of the uh, urban areas that they were disenfranchised at a much higher rate through ranked choice voting. And of course, we saw that. I mean, look, the the, dis, the the rate of rejected ballots and everything else in a lot of the rural areas was upwards of almost 20 percent uh, in the first rounds of ranked choice voting here. Uh, and so not only do you not only are you suppressing the vote because people don't understand it, they're confused by it or they're agitated by it. Whatever it is, on top of that, those that even did participate had a very high level of ballot rejection and everything else. So it's disenfranchising a huge amount of uh, of, of of voters in in the long run. Yes, you're absolutely right, and we're not the only state who has seen that. 
there's a fascinating article from a Democrat leader in New York about is ranked choice voting voter suppression. And that article link is on our website, preservedemocracy.com, where she writes about the exact same thing that you just said, that this is disproportionately affecting certain demographics. And she's arguing against ranked choice voting for those reasons. She talks about minorities in her area and people who don't have as high of an education level people who don't understand systems. And if we have to explain a system and educate people on systems, we spent millions of dollars educating people on how ranked choice voting works. It shouldn't take millions of dollars to explain voting systems. We use basic plurality voting systems in elementary school, school body races. It's that simple for students to understand. But it's not that simple for us to understand as adults. And that's what we're seeing across the states. Even down in California this past November, they had a ranked choice voting election that resulted in the algorithm tabulation that no one can do in their minds, the machines do it, certifying the wrong winner for the election. They didn't catch it till after the election was done. So now they can't undo the results of the election unless a court decides to overturn it. But it was in somebody pointing out, wait, I don't think that the, the ranked choice voting tabulation ordered the ballot reshuffling, the re-algorithm, the tallying up as you drop candidates off correctly. So they redid it, they reprogrammed the algorithm, and another candidate won. And so now the distrust throughout all of the county near San Francisco is really high. Everybody is calling for a repeal of ranked choice voting. And again, that's the kind of thing where you see the people who already don't feel like their vote counts or that they understand how systems work when they start reading headlines that the system's run by a complex algorithm that gets things wrong. They're just so much more like, likely to not overcome those barriers to voting that they already have to voting and go on with their normally difficult November Tuesday that they already have. That's called voter suppression. It literally is voter suppression, Michael. This is in Title 18 of the US Code as a crime. If you engage in tactics to manipulate elections and election systems in order to make it more difficult for certain people to vote, this is voter suppression and a US crime under the federal code. You know, what bothers me, because I did understand ranked choice voting. I mean, I studied it. I got a lot of information on it. I, I noodled it out. I was able to figure it out. I mean, it, it it's, uh, it's simple, but it's also complex, right? I mean, the idea of it is simple. The execution can be complex. I did understand it, but here's what bothers me. The idea that they sell this is, oh, no, it's just instant runoff. That's all it is. The problem is, is that if a, if a candidate fails or if a candidate you know, if two candidates and they don't get the plurality, I want to have a second bite at that apple. If there were four candidates and now all of a sudden there's three candidates, I want a second bite. If there's only two candidates, I want a second, I want a third bite at that apple. I want to come back to it because maybe something has changed in the meanwhile. Maybe something else has come to light. Maybe now that there's only fewer candidates, I want to make that choice. This idea that you have to make the decision all at once is is ludicrous. And the fact that we can't follow the tabulation uh, and that it has to be done by a computer, um, you know, obviously raises some concerns and some questions with everything that we're seeing today and the questions that have been raised about, uh, uh, you know, about 
like you said, the the thing in California where somebody just entered something wrong and it figured it wrong. Oh, oops. I mean, whether it was a mistake or intentional, now we have another problem where if you can just hand count the ballots and say, well, here they are, then that's a whole nother deal. And I think that's 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 another prime reason. And people are starting to feel like uh, Jen in the chat room says, as a door knocker, I was told over and over, why bother? They're cheating with ranked choice voting. And whether that's true or not, whether they're cheating or not, the perception is there and perception is the reality that people see. And it leads to ever more voter suppression or low voter turnout because they feel they throw their hands up and like, why bother? Absolutely. And I think you really hit something with the the runoff concept in the election. How many people have you talked to who said that they voted for one of the House candidates during the first primary or the first general election, the special general, and they voted for a different House candidate in the second general election? And those two elections were just a couple months apart because people's minds do change and they do change even between a a first general election and then a runoff election. If they didn't change, then you wouldn't see candidates in Georgia spending tens of millions of dollars in persuasion material trying to change people's minds. Right. Correct. Right. In the runoff in the runoff process. Right. Just during just during those two weeks of the runoff process because people's minds do change. And I think that we want the opportunity for our electorate to be able to say, you know, wait, I saw something and how a candidate handled that end, that end of round one or what happened here at the end. As a prime example, there was a prominent Republican in, in Alaska who was not supporting me through the election. And as we got right up to the end and, and led a lot of people not to support me, this is a very influential person, right? As we got up right up to the end, started to see my opponent's true colors and said, you know what, I made a mistake. I'm not gonna support the opponent. And then as we got to the end, like on election day, really saw her true colors and said, I'm going to support Kelly, but it was too late. Right Now, right after the election, my opponent said something and, and this person totally flipped their perspective on my opponent and now, now is a, a ardent supporter and is going around telling people that my opponent is a Democrat and we can't have anything to do with that. And we all need to jump onto Team Kelly. That happened right after the election, Michael, which means that if there had been a runoff, all of that influence that had already spread, that all of that could have reversed for me. And would have brought, you know, who knows how many countless votes with the effect of social media over. Right. But it was too late because the instant runoff, quote unquote, was was done. Um, those are the kinds of things that happen that are available to us in those runoff elections like they have in Georgia that don't happen here. And I'll also mention, I don't believe beyond somebody who's really informed on it like you or me, that most people even understand that that's what the ranked choice system is going for. I don't think most people understand that. I, I think that they're confused and are trying to figure out how they're supposed to rank the ballot so that their candidate has the best chance of winning. I have heard from many people, well, it's best if my candidate comes in second. So I'm going to rank somebody else first and my candidate second. And I don't think most people understand this system. And I think it would take a very long time before they actually do.
Kelly Shabaka is our guest. Uh, she's with Preserving Democracy. We're going to talk a little bit more about this, and we're going to break down p- uh, parts of this, not just the ranked choice component, but also the jungle primary component. We're going to talk with her about that here in just a moment. We'll get some more details on her new organization, and we'll return. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with Kelly Shabaka right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the uh, break right now with Kelly Shabaka. Let me clear something up for folks in the chat room because I've seen this comment already two or three times. Uh, We, yes, yes, we live in a constitutional republic, but we still utilize democracy in a component of our voting because the voting is, it's a democratic, you know, the democratic process in the voting system. It is a constitutional republic. People are saying, should have named it preserving our republic. But it's also a brilliant piece of marketing because all the people on the left are always like democracy, democracy, democracy. Well, now you're preserving democracy, right? This is like the whole thing with defend our constitution on the uh, on the CONCON question. That was a brilliant piece of naming uh, on their part because it sounds like we're defending, you know, whatever. Uh, so, yes, we are a constitutional republic that utilizes a democratic voting, a de- democracy-based voting system. So I just want to clear that up for you guys. Uh, <clears throat> and I can see why they would call it preserving democracy instead of preserving the republic. Uh, because that sounds a little more amorphous than, you know, preserving democracy has got some oomph behind it. Uh, Kelly, <clears throat> the response so far uh, to what's been going on, and I know you're just getting started but uh, you've got a huge, huge grassroots fan base, and uh, and I, you know, they, 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 I'm sure that they support you on this. But how's the response been so far? And what are some of the stories, anecdotal stories you've heard from the election uh, that you, I'm sure you'll be utilizing in your move forward and in, in your storytelling yeah. moving forward? Yeah, we've had incredible response. So thank you, everyone. The donation platform has really taken off. You all can help me today if you want to do that at preservedemocracy.com. People are really excited about what we're going to do. They understand how critical it is. So first step, the first thing we're trying to raise money for, we need about $30,000 to get a poll out there. I'm sure all of you have seen the propaganda from the pro rank choice side Um, using actors and telling us in a demeaning way that this was as simple as ice cream, and it wasn't. So we need the evidence, and and they've also shown us with just a a sample poll, uh, exit poll from people who were at the election and probably in pre-selected districts that would be favorable to them, that about 80% of us like ranked choice voting. That's not a real poll. We want to do a statewide poll, including our rural communities that also didn't show up. Michael, Democrats and Republicans didn't come, rural and rail belt across the state. We want to show with a real hard hitting poll that's you know bulletproof why people didn't come to show up at our election and how ranked choice voting affected that. I think there's other reasons as well, but we need to analyze why. And that poll will be gold. And then we need to share that with these 14 states that are considering implementing and expanding it. U.S. Congress, we have those meetings set up with leadership. 
And then also with the states that are running ballot initiatives, including our own, so that they can use that as evidence. We'll make the compelling video testimonies as well. Going around the state, fortunately, we have a very mobilized network in rural communities and rail belt communities and get those testimonies. And some of them, to your point, are the people I've heard from even out in rural communities. I have a friend who said she got dozens of phone calls on election day from her friends who are all senior citizens saying, I don't understand how to mark this ballot. I don't know what to do. Some even in tears, can you please help me? Or I'm just not going to vote. I have another person who was volunteering over at one of the at the polls, and she was just helping as a poll worker. She said she couldn't even count how many people would come back over to her crying because they could not figure out how to how to do the ballot. But she couldn't tell them. She she could just simply repeat the the instructions at the top. And she said she saw so many ballots marked wrong. So people ended up throwing their own vote away just out of ignorance, never mind the fact that, again, millions of dollars were spent on instructions. And so these are some of the stories that we're hearing around the entire state of people being so confused about ranked choice. And Michael, those thrown out ballots, those were counted in the record low voter turnout. So those were those were counted and then thrown out right. and not have a say in who was ultimately elected. <clears throat> right. So up to 19 percent of rural ballots in the different communities were counted and then thrown out. So the actual right. the actual valid ballot count was actually even lower than what it is right now. Kelly Shabaka is our guest. We're going to jump back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show continues. Please like and share, like and follow, and do all the YouTube and Facebook things. Let's go and jump back into it right now. Okay, we're continuing now with Kelly Shabaka, former U.S. Senate candidate, and now with Preserving Democracy, an organization that is dedicated to, well, I guess, education about the pitfalls of ranked choice voting and many other things. Before we get into what I talked about here a second ago, which is kind of the breakdown of, of jungle primaries and everything else, I just I want to make a comment, Kelly, and I'll get your your idea. This whole thing about ranked choice voting uh, voting was um, well, the whole thing is based on a lie. Right. I mean, they put together this ballot initiative uh, with 26, 27 pages of instruction. If you open the voter booklet and you go back and look at it, it is like, here's everything that it changes. I mean, and it's this huge, huge amount of stuff. Um, but what they sold it on, because I know because I saw the commercials coming across the data boards on my radio stations, um, what they sold it on, 90 percent of the commercials had nothing to do with ranked choice voting. It was all about dark money, right? I mean, that was all of what it was about. It was always about we're going to we're going to eliminate dark money, which is ironic because the whole thing was funded by dark money. But this is the whole point. So the whole thing was sold as a lie to begin with, because sure, who doesn't want to get rid of dark money, right? I mean, that's a that's a dirty thing. I mean, nobody wants that. So of course everybody wants it. And there was really almost there was very little. There was one commercial in all the commercials that they ran that seemed to talk anything about ranked choice voting, and it was the bag of chips one. But uh, you know, this that that's what kills me is that this whole thing was sold to Alaskans and passed by the thinnest margins on a lie. 
Michael, the Project Veritas videos also exposed all of that in their undercover footage of Murkowski's campaign staff and leadership saying that they intentionally deceived Alaskans by running those dark money ads because it doesn't get rid of dark money. And in fact, you can't get rid of dark money. It's actually protected by a Supreme Court ruling that says that that's part of free speech under the First Amendment. And those Project Veritas videos also show her staff saying that the only reason that they ran ballot measure two to put in ranked choice voting was to protect Senator Murkowski and make sure she could get reelected. That was the entire purpose of putting in ballot measure two. Yeah. And it's all there. If anyone wants to Google the Project Veritas videos on Lisa Murkowski and ranked choice voting, you can see all her campaign staff admit to all of this. It is really, really concerning, again, when we're talking about democracy, that we understand why our election system is being manipulated in order to come to a certain outcome to protect an incumbent. That's concerning. I see articles in the lower 48 saying ranked choice voting worked great in Alaska because people from all parties won. That's not what happened. Ranked choice voting resulted in all the incumbents winning. All the incumbents won. And ranked choice voting protects incumbents because when you have a field of 71 candidates running for statewide office and the burden is now on every voter to research their campaign platforms, their backgrounds, do all the fact checking on them, screen and vet them, how many Alaskans were actually fully informed and educated on every single candidate right. to make an informed view just for the three statewide races? I'm not right. even talking about general races right. or ballot initiatives or judges. Right. And now we have, and we're one of the smaller state elections, right? If you think about ranked choice voting in a large state, it becomes even harder. And that's what it's designed to do is create a chaos of confusion where the person who can bring the most dark money to the table wins because the candidate whose ads you get bombarded most with is the one the, the person will vote for because I just I have so much going on in my day. I'm sure you do too. I show up at the polls and who have I heard the most about? The incumbent. Yeah. And so the chance that a grassroots candidate or a third party candidate will actually make it is slim. That's another point, Michael. Back in the 2020 election, we had six or third party candidates. So independents or libertarians, constitution party, green party, six on the ballot for statewide or federal, I'm sorry, for federal races. This year we had one, make it through that process, that jungle primary ranked choice voting process to be able to run for one of our federal races. That wouldn't have been the case if we right. had a normal a normal election process where we didn't make it so narrow for them to be able to get into that final final uh, general election. One of the things that separates Alaskans uh, and Alaska's ranked choice voting process from many of the other states is the fact that they have included the jungle primary. And that, I think, is problematic. And I know there's been some discussion on the side where they want to put a ballot proposition on to where they may not remove all components, but they definitely want to attack or, ta or target the uh, jungle primary. Because as you said, when you've got 50 candidates, how in the hell can you research 50 candidates and their positions and what they're doing and everything else? And it, 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 and it causes the whole system to be flooded. And I could definitely see that. Um, what are your thoughts on separating, you know, the, the, 
the jungle primary component from the rank choice. What are your what are your thoughts on that? So interestingly, the more ranked choice movement spreads, the more they're coupling those two things together, including in the federal legislation, because I think they realize that that's, that's part of how they get these the desired candidates. This isn't a, about a system. This is about a special interest, dark money funded special interest groups have been pushing ranked choice voting since the 90s. And so this is about intentionally manipulating election systems in order to get preordained and desired outcomes. And you more likely get those desired outcomes when you have all of the non-desired candidates running against each other and filtering them out so that only the people you want are in those final four or final three, however, whatever their number is. That's why it's also in the federal legislation. So these proposals that are starting to pop up, like in the 14 states that are considering it, they include the jungle primary as part of their ranked choice system. And so you're seeing these things emerge more and more. And I think it's incredibly dangerous because the jungle primary, because it allows greater and greater manipulation from those dark money forces. Some people might remember that in this election we had in Alaska, we had a California actress move here, take on a fake name and a fake Alaska identity, all funded by outside money in order to try and win our US Senate seat. Our system is highly susceptible to these kind of candidates. We're lucky we even caught her. And it was a, a, a blogger here in Alaska who exposed it. We're lucky we even caught her. But what if we didn't have another strong candidate in this race and the dark money forces had really come behind this person and we just got inundated and swamped with all of her ads? She might be our new U.S. Senator. Right. She's not even Alaskan. Right. She doesn't even represent us. You see, this is what I'm talking about, that ranked choice voting is fundamentally undemocratic. And that would have happened, Michael, as a result of that open primary where nobody is screening and vetting these backgrounds. Nobody's looking at people's resumes and going, I'm not sure that's accurate information. We probably shouldn't run you as a candidate. None of that is happening because it's just a free for all. Yeah, she's talking about Shoshana Gergenstein, by the way, for those of you who don't know this story. It was a fascinating story that came and went like that in a news blip. But I thought, wow, this story should be huge. Somebody came in and an actress came in and pretended to be an Alaskan and got in, in the whole. Th I mean, it was shocking. Uh, just again, yet one more reason why the uh, the uh, jungle primary component of it is definitely problematic. Uh, we're down to the last four or five minutes of this segment. I don't know how long you want to stick with us, uh, Kelly, but I do want to give you the chance to tell people exactly what Preserve Democracy is doing. You mentioned the poll, but what is the mission here? Uh, you guys are you're not pushing some kind of ballot initiative. You're not doing anything like that. This is about education. Give us the give us the mission and, and what your goal is here with uh, your organization, pre uh, Preserving Democracy. Simply put, we want to make sure election systems are easy to understand and accessible to everyone. So we're going to fight ranked choice voting and we're going to engage in targeted get out the vote efforts to make sure everybody has a voice. We're going to do this by first using Alaska as a case study and developing that evidence that's necessary so that these decision makers across the United States can see that ranked choice voting is undemocratic. And that's why I need your help. It costs money in order to do the poll, the focus groups, the research, and those compelling video testimonies and put those in the hands of the people who are running ballot initiatives and the legislators considering implementing ranked choice voting 
and taking it to Congress will probably be testifying before legislatures in Congress so that they can see this is what actually happened in Alaska. Ranked choice voting might sound good when you have these talking points that we're hearing from the pro-ranked choice people, but this is what actually happened. Record low turnout, abuse from puppet candidates, infusion of dark money, the most negative campaign Alaska's ever seen. These are some of the statistics that we have up here in the state, and we need to document that in evidence so people can see we don't want ranked choice voting. It suppresses the vote, and it leads to really negative results that people don't want in their system. We want a plurality system where every vote is heard, every vote is counted, and people get to choose their own leaders without it being manipulated in a system and an algorithm that they have no visibility into. You can help us at preservedemocracy.com. It's preservedemocracy.com. We really appreciate that help. Thank you. Well, thank you, uh, Kelly. Uh, any I guess any final thoughts or anything else you want folks to know? Now's the time to do it. We got about uh, two minutes here. So for those who are in Anchorage or in Kenai, um, Kenai on February 7th, starting at 6 p.m. at Paradiso's, we're going to be having an event. If you want to come and talk about it, learn more, I would love to see you there. And February 9th at Bell's Nursery, starting at 5.30. So February 7th, 6 p.m., Paradiso's in Kenai, February 9th at 5.30 at Bell's Nursery. We'll be having events, and we'd love to see you. It'd be great to see you in person. It's been a couple months, and I invite you to show and turn out. We'll be coming up to Fairbanks in a couple months. I'll be posting all of these events on my social media pages, which are Kelly for Alaska. We do have social media pages for the organization. Thanks to the people who are helping me with all of this. And that's at Preserve Democracy and social media handle stops at the at the CR in democracy because you can only have so many characters. So right. at Preserve Democracy across <laughs> social media. At Preserve Democracy. Don't just make sure that you make your names real short. That's what you have to do for Twitter and everything else. So it's exactly. all, it's all good. Um, all right. Well, Kelly Shabaka, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we look forward to getting an update. I hope that you're able to raise enough money for this poll. I want to see some true polling because I, too, am tired of the national articles that say Alaska is the shining bastion of how good ranked choice voting was forever. You know, of course, they fail to mention that it was the lowest voter turnout ever and that a ton, uh, a huge percentile, double digit percentile of all the votes were rejected and everything else. They, they never mention any of that. They just mention how great it was. And uh, I find okay. that I find that infuriating personally. So, um, all right. Well, Kelly Shabaka, thank you so much for coming on board today. And uh, I appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. I'll see you again soon. Have a great day. All right. Thank you, Kelly Shabaka, our guest here on the Michael Duke Show. Uh, okay. We're up against the break. We've got more coming up. Uh, one final segment, I guess phone lines are open, so if anybody wants to call in and talk about this, you're welcome to do so. Uh, meanwhile, um, I think we'll just uh, take the break, and then we'll come back. Don't go anywhere. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. It is The Michael Duke Show. Back with more. One final segment right after this. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Michael 
Okay. Uh, in the break um, here, final break of the show for this morning. And I suppose that we can pull back on all this and get back to where we needed to be. Okay. Uh, hi. How are you? Oh, man. I tell you. Oh. Oh. How about how many times did you, I mean, how many times did you have to hear the, the terms, you know, that you just, that you loved on that, right? I mean, how many times did you have to hear the ad, uh, the ad that said, Dark money is, uh, you know, is doing it to you, right? I mean, how many times did you, did you have to hear that before you're like, oh yeah, I got to vote for that because nobody, nobody wants dark money. Uh, to affect Alaskan politics, but uh, <clears throat> anyway, anyway, what what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Uh, okay. Um, for all the candidates we didn't want, it worked great. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the few beneficiaries of this whole deal, I think, was Senator Mike Shower, which is ironic since he again. Uh, is against it and probably would have been happy to lose that race if it was uh, uh, if it was in that uh, right there. Uh, uh oh, I missed something here. I'm I'm scrolling through here, scrolling through. Okay. Um, all right. Go back to the comments. I saw somebody somebody dropped me a comment this morning here that I missed uh, in uh, the messages. Let me go over here and see what this is about. Somebody dropped me uh yeah. So, oh, wow. So, yeah. <clears throat> interesting. Interesting. Uh, we were talking about the House Ways and Means Committee uh, with Brad Keithley this last week. And uh, Kevin McCabe mentioned that there weren't three members. There were now five members. And that includes Ben Carpenter, Jamie Allard, Tom McKay, Kevin McCabe, and Cliff Grow. So only one member of the minority in that that. Uh, uh, that body. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. <clears throat> Who wants to vote when they think that the government is corrupt, said Chris. I mean, that's kind of what we're fighting against right now, right? I mean, there is. There's a, there's a tremendous amount um, a tremendous amount of frustration by people who are just like throwing their hands in the air like, well, screw it. I'm done. I'm out. Peace out. I'm done. Uh, and that's a danger. I think that's a real, real danger uh, and and a threat to what we've got going on when people just refuse to participate. Um, <clears throat> when is Shower coming back to the show? I'm hoping to have Mike Shower back on the show next week. Fingers crossed next week. Um, so we'll we'll uh, hope hope to hope to have that here shortly. Shortly. Um, rank choice voting has got to go. Uh, oh my, does must read have a comment about the Shoshana Gergenstein? They interviewed her. There was a, there was a short little piece on that, but yeah, I mean, when you hear the details of that whole thing, um, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's shocking. And, and I was so, I was so amazed that the story was like there and gone. Like it was up for one day and then it kind of just went away that, you know, 
that this had taken place, that somebody had tried to bamboozle all of Alaskans. Now, it was a real lightweight campaign, and I don't know if it was a joke, if it was a test. Uh, I just don't know. But, um, yeah, the whole thing on the, on the Shoshana-Gergenstein thing was very interesting. Oh, I was going to sneeze. You know how that is, right? Ah, oh, ah. Um, why are the same ones who funded, paid for, provided legal aid and attorneys are the ones who just testified about how great ranked choice voting was in the Senate two days ago? Talk about wolves protecting the hand. Of course, it's going to be like working as intended. As I twirl my mustache. Working as intended. Um... Any wagers on how big the state settlement will be for the 2022 principle of the year? 800 to 800,000 to 1.5 million. Oh, I think it's going to be bigger than that. Don't you? I mean, I think it's going to be between the state and if she decides to sue the medical facility for drugging her without a court order and everything else. I'm thinking three, maybe three million. We'll see. Maybe it's less. But I would be going for full court press on that. I guarantee you. Full court press on that. 100% for sure. Um, that people should be allowed to get a vote on, uh, people should be allowed to vote on ranked choice voting again to get it removed, especially after Lisa Murkowski's staffers influenced it. Influenced it? Lisa Murkowski's staffers created it. It's just like Scott Kendall was working for Lisa. It's not like it's a shock. I mean. Okay, um, one final segment. Uh, thanks for coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Somebody's just joking. Somebody thought I added a monitor to my ceiling. That's what the colors are behind me. You can't see them on the radio because, well, it's radio. But no, somebody was complaining. They thought I had a monitor on my ceiling. But no, I got a, like a whole, I got like a whole thing here, man. I could do whatever. I could do whatever I want, wherever I want. I got the color. I got the color wheel of destiny here behind me. Um, all right, <clears throat> one final segment in the uh, in the show this morning, and I'm going to open up the phone lines. Um, and see what you guys have to say if you want to sound off on anything we've talked about today, whether it's the ranked choice voting thing, whether it's the FULP thing, whether it's the lawsuit against allowing public funding to go to private schools or institutions or private classes, or uh, the last piece of uh, the last piece of uh, of news that I wanted to cover today, which I can't believe I got to almost all of the things I wanted to cover today. That's kind of been that's unusual. Um, and that is the talk, uh, from, uh, 
the Alaska Beacon, which I'm going to more and more these days because, man, the ADN is just... I mean, not that the Alaska Beacon is great. We know that they've got a left-leaning slant, right? Just like we know that Must Read's got a right-leaning slant. So I'm trying to balance everything out here. But the Beacon, at least, has got fresh news stories and topical stuff. The ADN is um, slipping. Uh, Anyway, this story from James Brooks uh, talking about Tuesday's meeting uh, at the uh, the, uh, Alaska House in the House Committee on Community and Regional Affairs. Andy Josephson introduced House Bill 22, which is a bill that is an effort to bring back the idea of a defined benefit program. Now, Josephson assures us that this is a very conservative bill. This is a con- this is a conservative bill. It only deals with first responders. It does not deal with anybody else. It's just first responders. But of course, we know. We just know in our bones that it would never be re- that there would be an inequity there. That if somebody gets it. The next thing you'll know is everybody will be like, well, they've got it. I want it, too. You know that the next negotiation time for the next contract negotiation, the first thing will be, well, they got defined benefits, and we will refuse to do anything else without defined benefits. Um, Alaska offered a pension-style retirement program known as a defined benefit program to new employees from statehood through 2006 when it switched when it switched to a 401k style retirement plan in which the benefits amounts aren't guaranteed uh, so that is the defined contribution plan the tier 4 tier 1 2 and 3 were varying levels of defined benefits and tier 4 is the defined contribution plan here's the problem With the defined benefit program, they say you are going to get X. You're going to have health care, you know, that covers all of X or Y. You're going to have all these things. All your benefits will be X. It never talks about the costs of those benefits. It just says we are promising you these benefits. And, of course, what happened is, especially with the health care benefits we saw in the 80s and the 90s, the cost of health care exploded in this country. And by promising to give them a benefit with no dollar amount, well, the cost and the unfunded liability for that plan just went off the charts. We, at one point, owed uh, to our unfunded liability of defined benefits for all the people who were in the program $13 billion almost $13 billion, $12.8 billion in unfunded liability to the defined benefits program. And finally, somebody in the legislature said, whoa, wait a second. Um, This is just going to get, it's going to continue to get worse. It's just, it was not stopping. It was not slowing down. It was growing over and over and over again. And that's when they made the jump in 2006 to the defined contribution plan, which means the state still pays into your retirement You can pay, the state pays, you still get a big chunk of it, but it's just like all of our retirements. It's just like everybody else's retirements, right? You put it in, it's a 401k style plan. What you put in is what you get out. It's not pie in the sky. You can have 
whatever benefit that we promised you, no matter what the cost, it is huge. So Josephson is uh, going on, and of course, this has been a big push. You've seen it the last couple of years, and especially in this last campaign season, many candidates mentioned that they wanted to go back to defined benefits. Josephson is using the camel under the tent method by limiting it to only first responders. Um, in Monday's hearing, Kevin McCabe, Tom McKay, both said that they were concerned about the possible costs if teachers and other public employees, whether through an amended version of the bill or through legal action, were able to transfer into the new pension system. Uh, Josephson said teachers are already demanding it, so that respect, nothing changes. But he says he hopes they all get pensions, but he's not calling for them. He hopes they all get pensions, but he's not calling for them. He says there's only 2,358 first responders. That's another reason why this is a conservative bill. We're talking. He says we're talking about first responders. You know, our heroes. We're talking about the 7.5% of all public employees. But see, that's the problem because Jesse Keel also has a bill uh, which covers all state employees and teachers and municipal workers, meaning not state employees, but city and borough government employees. And we're talking about tens of thousands of people to be on this defined benefits program, which all, I mean, we've whittled that $12 billion plus, you know, liability down. We're, we're at like 7 billion. So we haven't even hit the halfway mark. And now they want to add more people back to it. But don't worry, Jesse Keel says it'll be revenue neutral. I'm sure. Sure, that's what the answer's got. <laughs> Insanity, man. Are you are you nuts? So uh the bill has been referred to I think four different committees, three or four different committees. So it oh, it's been referred to four different committees which essentially means that bill probably is not going anywhere. Usually if you get three or more, it's nearly impossible to get them through the whole process to all the way to the end. But it's going to, you know, if they do put in something like this, it's not only going to cost you, well, your PFD. It will also mean that at some point they will crack open the corpus of the fund because if anybody ever calls them on the carpet on it, because we have a, because we have a clause in our state constitution that says any agreement with a, uh, you know, any kind of contract agreement with a public employees union is essentially a, a constitutional contract, meaning it's it's almost like a constitutional amendment. You can't say no. You can't say we're going to break the contract because we don't have any money because they'll take it to court and sub judge will say, well, you do have $80 billion sitting in this fund over here. So it's not just taking the permanent fund. It would be cracking open the golden goose and stealing the guts of the permanent fund to fund those however many thousands of, it was a 26,000 state employees plus the teachers and then the municipal employees. On, we're talking about 30,000 people that are currently working, not to mention the other ones who are already retired with their $7 billion liability. I mean, this could be 
you know, we're talking about a liability if this whole thing went whole hog the Jesse Keel style. We're talking about a liability that could be $20 billion out of our $60 billion fund. Forget about dividends. You'd be lucky if there's a permanent fund by the time this whole thing is said and done. That's part of the problem. Oh, anyway. That's uh, that's for today, folks. Tomorrow's going to be Firearms Friday, and I'm excited about that. John Lott will be our guest. Dr. John Lott. And Willie Waffle. And we'll be ready to talk about all that stuff. I can't wait. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. Or YouTube. YouTube.com slash Michael Duke Show. Or Twitch. Or don't forget to pick up the podcast which you can find on Spotify or iTunes or Google, whatever. That's all. It's all coming up. Tomorrow, Firearms Friday. Time to hit the road. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. A shortage of government employees? Ooh. Brian says he just saw a YouTube advertisement lamenting a shortage of government employees. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, that's the one thing I haven't even talked about yet, Willie, with defined benefits, is that the communities have to pay for their municipal employees, and there are many communities that still owe millions of dollars to the first round of the PERS, the one, two, three tiers. They are they still owe money. I it's the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. But here we are, repeating history. Alright, my friends, gotta go. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 